0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Sweet Home Chicago hosted the NFL Draft for the first time in over 50 years this weekend as the hometown Bears conducted their first draft under the new regime headed by Ryan Pace and John Fox. So who are these new Bears and can they help in 2015? All of this plus analysis from Scott Wright on the draft review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. The annual college player selection party draft thing is over. Whatever the hell the official title of the NFL draft is. Finally in the books. And we have six brand new draft choices and 15 Undrafted free agents to welcome into the family of the beloved. What's going on, everybody? Larity back, the draft review episode of the Chicago Bears review. We have a lot to go over uh, for the first time ever on the draft review episode. We are going to have knee jerk reactions from the draft choices, including uh, some knee jerk reactions on picks made before and and having to do with players that the Bears were rumored to be uh, thinking about. So, um, before we get to our, our top selection at number seven, there were a few other knee jerk reactions that I threw in there just to kind of throw in what I was thinking, how I was feeling once these picks were coming off of the uh, once these picks were coming off the board, and then uh, at uh, to close out the show, we're gonna have a discussion. Scott Wright and I talked about the uh, NFL draft uh, in you know in in general, and also because this is our beloved Chicago Bears Review Show. Talked about what he thought of the Bears uh, draft uh, class and uh, how he feels they may succeed. And also had a few nuggets about some of our undrafted free agents uh, as well, since these are widely unknown uh, guys. So we got tons to get to uh, on the show. So let's go ahead and, uh, you know, what do you say? Let's just go ahead and dive right into it. The draft review episode on the Chicago Bears Review. Thursday night, the NFL kicked off the uh, the annual college player selection meeting. I think that's the official uh, title of the NFL draft. Um, you know, in Chicago, first time since December of 1963, which is which was for the 1964 season. That was the last time that the draft was held in Chicago. Just a few weeks after uh, President. Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated uh, in December of 63, they said, was the last time it was in Chicago. So been uh, 51 and a half years since it was uh, since it was in the Windy City. And, um, you know, from what I hear, it was a resounding success. Uh, draft Town was a very unique uh, aspect of the whole uh, presentation, kind of an indoor outdoor thing uh, that the NFL was doing with the uh, with the selection uh process uh, and everything and i uh, had a few friends back home in chicago go down there and check it out and aside from the expensive beers everything else seemed to be uh you know widely uh, widely praised uh the, with what was going on down there but um you know as the nfl got kicked off it was uh, no surprise as the tampa bay buccaneers had been rumored pretty much since january you know when the when the whole uh the, the the earliest of the drafts process uh, began uh, were were you know saying that the, it's going to be Jameis Winston that they take number one overall uh, for the from the Florida State and uh, turns out that that turned out to be true with Jameis Winston going number one overall and then. That's where the most interesting aspect of the draft was going to take place because of all the players being selected, of all the you know places and fits and such that they could go to for whatever team, the most intriguing pick in this entire draft, because it wasn't even the number one pick. It was the number two pick, The what was widely considered... The Mariota pick, because either Tennessee was going to take the take the quarterback, or Tennessee was going to trade the pick away so someone else could take the quarterback. And of course, one of the suitors of that number two pick was our beloved Chicago Bears. And uh, as the pick came off of the board, we all know how it turned out. This is how it felt for me when it went off the board. And also, because I got of got them twisted in here together, uh, also had uh, thoughts on the fourth pick and the sixth pick in the draft before the Bears picked Uh, at 7. So here's my knee-jerk reaction to the second, fourth, and sixth pick in the draft, and you'll see why. (laughs)
1: Knee-jerk reaction to the NFL draft, and the number two pick has just come off the board, and for weeks, uh, the last several weeks, a good month and a half or so, the, uh, the number two pick has basically been designated as the Mariota pick, and it indeed has been the Mariota pick, and it stayed with Tennessee. I'm sure that there were tons of trade offers and speculation adam schefter even mentioned before that um the bears were in the mix on talking for talking about a trade uh for the number two pick but in the end tennessee sticks to their guns they probably just didn't get an offer that they couldn't refuse they take mariota which means the bears will not so No more of this, um, you know, even though I've been talked off the ledge successfully by Scott Wright, uh, it's not something that we Bear fans are going to have to try to wrap our heads around this rookie quarterback coming in or actually, more to the point, having to wrap our head around what we gave up to get him. So the number two pick is off the board. It is Mariota. The Bears are five picks away uh, from finding out who we're going to take at number seven. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction to the fourth pick in the draft. It's the Oakland Raiders. And one of those guys that we were looking at, possibly at number seven, is off the board. Amari Cooper is taking at number four to the Oakland Raiders. So if the Bears are going to get a shot at one of the top receivers in the draft, it's going to have to be uh, Kevin White if they go in that direction. So the number five pick with the Redskins is on the clock now. Amari Cooper, a guy that many experts had pigeonholed for the bears for a long time those that thought kevin white would be the pick for the raiders well he goes uh he's still on the board amari cooper is gone he's a raider so the 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 choices for the bears are starting to get narrowed down no Mariota. no amari cooper so we'll see how it all fleshes out (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction to the number six pick in the draft. Uh, The way that the board had fallen, uh, Winston and Mariota going one and two. Dante Fowler went three to Jacksonville. Amari Cooper, four to Oakland. Five was Brandon Scherf, the offensive tackle to Iowa. Left the best overall player on the board still available at number six, which was Leonard Williams. Only one team between the Bears and Leonard Williams was the New York Jets at number six and they picked him. So Leonard Williams goes to the Jets at number six. The Bears are on the clock at number seven. Will it be Kevin White? Do we add him as the replacement to Brandon Marshall? Do we trade the pick? There was a rumor about the Bears trading back from seven to ten with the Rams and picking up Michael Brockers uh, in the process. Do we take Trey Waynes, the cornerback? Do we go after a safety? What's the pick going to be? Do we take Danny Shelton, the nose tackle from Washington. In six minutes and nineteen seconds, we will have our answer.
0: Well, we're not going to wait six minutes and nineteen seconds, but you guys know how it all uh, how it all kind of came out. Uh, you know, the the reason that I went through that, like you like you heard me saying, you know, we were rumored to have the Mariota pick. This was my reaction to us not taking Mariota at number four, Amari Cooper. Uh, as, as we got closer to the draft, Amari Cooper became kind of a pipe dream. All the mock drafts were, uh, you know, three to Jacksonville, four to Oakland. He wasn't going to be there at seven uh, for the Bears. But the most exciting part was when Leonard Williams began to fall when he kept falling he was he was rumored to go at two to tennessee they didn't take him you know uh, jacksonville would be foolish to pass up on him at three they did they took dante fowler number four was the raiders that you know hey well why wouldn't you add he's a he's a california guy and uh, everything from usc why would you pass up on him they did they took cooper brandon scherf went next to the to the redskins some people love that pick some people hate it and then number six with the with the jets it was there was there was talk right there this could be kevin white he could be the bookend to brandon marshall the compliment to 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 eric decker uh in you know in that receiving core give more targets for geno smith at the quarterback position uh you know this this could be a good fit for the jets and then leonard williams would be there for the bears to take him but instead leonard williams comes off the board at number six they just keep adding to that scary front uh scary front that the jets have uh out there and, uh, you know, so Leonard Williams was 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 this close. The top player on everyone's board was this close to falling into the Bears lap, uh at number seven. And uh, it would have been really, really interesting to uh, to see what the Bears would have done had the Jets not taken Williams uh, at number six. But alas, it was not to be. Uh, Leonard Williams went to the Jets and left the Bears at number seven with this selection to make.
1: Knee-jerk reaction to the number seven pick of the draft. The Bears hang on to the pick, so no trading down, and we select the wide receiver Kevin White from West Virginia. So he will be our replacement for Brandon Marshall. He will be the bookend to Alshon Jeffrey, and now we've got one of the younger, one of the youngest, and yet more fearsome wide receiving cores uh, in the league. Right now, with Kevin White on one side, Alshon Jeffrey on the other, and uh, you know, with Jay Cutler in at the quarterback and Matt Forte in the running that's looking good on the offensive side uh, for the Bears. Uh, You know, this is the way that the draft boards have been falling lately. It's been a lot different with the way that, um, you know, things have been falling. Uh, You know, sometimes it was Cooper. Sometimes it was white. Uh, Sometimes the bears would go defense with Vic Beasley or Landon Collins or Danny Shelton and and what have you. But in the end, the bears go offense to replace Brandon Marshall, take Kevin white, the wide receiver from West Virginia and uh, see how the bears move forward uh, from here.
0: so, with the way that the NFL draft has been formatted for the last several years, there was that was the only pick the Bears had to make on Thursday night, and thus, thus the the thorn in my side is is what the the draft format uh, for the NFL draft has become. And number one, uh, you know, maybe it's just because it was for the first thirty plus years of my life that uh, it was always a Saturday Sunday uh, affair that I would prefer the NFL kind of go back to that. Uh, You know, I really I really just enjoyed the way that it was done before. You can make a whole day out of it on Saturday. The draft starts bright and early at like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, and that's just your Saturday. You watch the first round and then you kind of dip back into it after your team picks maybe see who's, what's going on in the second round, anything interesting happened in the third. And then on Sunday, you know, for me anyway, it's always kind of been something that was kind of on in the background while I was, you know, cleaning the house or doing something online on my computer or whatever. But the draft is on. I'm kind of touching in with it every now and then uh, kind of thing. I just kind of like the way. And, and Saturday kind of was like that draft, uh, you know, rounds four through seven. But Thursday night and Friday night being, you know, the first round, the second, third third round. Um Number one, I never really was was a fan of the whole primetime format. I preferred it the way that it was. Number two, um, Bear fans' reactions, as in, like, as far as social media, uh, my own dad, as a matter of fact, uh, all reacted negatively to a wide receiver being taken by the Bears, given our defensive woes uh, from last year, and all seemed kind of have a reaction in a way that it it just made me feel like most of these people thought – this was the only choice the Bears had to make in the entire draft. Like we didn't have five or six other picks to 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 choose from or or anything like that. It, it, I guess that's like the finality of there only being one round on the first night of the draft kind of left a sour taste in bear fans mouths thinking that you know why do we go offense when we need defensive help uh, kind of thing so it um if leonard williams was on the board and we had selected kevin white anyway then i would kind of share in their outrage however leonard williams wasn't there he was taking just one pick before us Kevin White was on the board. We had to go with him. We did. So I, I thought I was a huge fan of the choice from the very beginning, and uh, you know, it's it, uh, you'll hear me touch on it a bit in in the second uh, with our knee jerk reaction to the second uh, round pick that the Bears had uh, on uh, on on Friday night. But it, it really is just like this is where I kind of had a problem with the format of it is that because the Bears only had one choice on Thursday bear fans were kind of freaking out that it was offense when we need defensive help like we had no other choices that we were able to make for the remainder of the draft so anyway speaking of the second round pick we came up at 39 on friday night so fairly early on in the process the one good thing about the bears having a top 10 pick was that you pretty much early on and on day one and day two we got a player off the board and a new addition to the team and this time the bears would go defense so everyone could just dial it down a notch
1: knee jerk reaction to the 39th overall pick in the draft which would be where the bears were picking in the second round um just before we get to that um landon collins a, a player that that many people in mock drafts had the Bears taking when the when the draft process finally began at the, the, the end of January, beginning of February. Landon Collins was still available going into the second round. There was some thought maybe the Bears might still be able to get a chance to get him. He went first in the at the top of the second round to the Giants, who traded up with the Titans to get him. Um, <laughs> the first ovation that Roger Goodell gets from the crowd in Chicago, because for some reason the fans like to boo Every time he shows his face, the first ovation he gets, he gets when he brings Hall of Famer and Chicago Bear legend Dick Butkus to the podium to announce... Our second-round pick is nose tackle Eddie Goldman from Florida State University. So everyone can can relax now because uh, one of the, the the most disappointing things about the, the Bears picking Kevin White yesterday, and you guys know that I love that pick, the most disappointing thing about it were people's reactions to the Bears taking a wide receiver when we need defensive help, like we didn't have six more picks in this draft, five or six. Uh, Whatever it is. So here it is. We drafted a defensive player, Eddie Goldman, 6'3 and three quarters, 336 pounds from Florida State University. Butkus himself, before he announced the kid's name, says, I like this. So it's been endorsed by one of the made men in Chicago and Mel Kuyper and in such have been, uh, you know, praising this pick that the Bears made. Eddie Goldman, the newest bear, at number 39, a nose tackle from Florida State.
0: So we went with, uh, quote-unquote, need in the second round with Eddie Goldman, the Florida State nose tackle. Uh, like I said, 6'3", 336 pounds, so he's going to be that load uh, in the middle for sure. Uh, we'll probably start behind Jeremiah Ratliff to, to start things uh, off. Maybe Ray McDonald, I think, is going to get in the mix there at nose tackle as well. I th- actually think he's more of a defensive end in the 3-4, uh, to be honest with you. But he's kind of a versatile uh, defensive lineman. I heard that he's basically played all three positions uh, or he's played both positions, nose tackle and defensive end, and also played some three technique, which is also the defensive tackle in a 4-3 front as well. So he's a versatile guy uh, as well. So there, there could be some hybrid looks. I know that from time to time Vic Fangio liked to throw four defensive linemen out there when he was with the 49ers. This is a kind of player that will help us uh, you know, bring him in alongside Jeremiah Ratliff with our two defensive ends on the outside. And there you got something going uh, on the, uh, the front four. Uh, as well so we went uh, best player available at number seven in the first round with Kevin White we went with our nose tackle in the second so you started maybe thinking that yeah here the Bears are going to start addressing the defense as the draft goes along but we had to pump the brakes a little bit when the third pick on the, when the when our third round pick came off the board at number 71 okay.
1: knee-jerk reaction to the round, third round pick for the bears number 71 overall we went with a center in the third round and uh, he's got a name that was uh that would be best served as one of the uh key and Peel uh college all-star names it is number 71. Horonis, or Heronis, one of the two, Horonis Horonis Grasu, uh, a center from the University of Oregon, who actually used to play alongside our right guard uh, Kyle Long, so the two of them being reunited in Chicago Bear uniform. So most likely, uh, if he sees the field, I, it doesn't, you know, he's he's going to be a backup to our current center, Will Montgomery, who we signed to replace Roberto Garza, but he's only on a one-year contract, so maybe this is a a one-year Grooming of uh, of Grasu to join the starting lineup uh, in uh, in 2016. It also adds depth to our interior uh, offensive line. So um, we didn't go with a uh, linebacker or a safety in the third round. Something I hope that we address in day three and rounds four through seven, just to add some depth there, get some bodies there. But he must have been the best player available on the board. Center. Heronis Grassu, center from Oregon the newest Chicago Bear at number 71
0: so you heard me kind of mention it there towards the end of the reaction that it, it I guess he must be the best player available on the board so it, it was it does kind of fill a need to add depth at the center position uh, we, we, we let go of Roberto Garza who was more of a A guard playing center even though he did he did it fairly well uh we signed will montgomery who's a eight nine year veteran uh in the league so he's kind of towards the end of his career or at least you know maybe his most dynamic days are behind him we draft Grasu, who was a four-year starter at oregon and as I mentioned, started alongside uh, Kyle Long on his four or five starts while he was out there uh, at the University of Oregon as well. Uh, he mentioned on Twitter, Kyle Long did, that he, basically this guy is one of his best friends in the world. Happy to have him, you know, be reunited with him in Chicago. And, uh, you know, our offensive line keeps getting get, keeps getting younger and stronger uh, out there. It's uh it's looking up, you know. Those Oregon boys have worked out for it well for us so far. Uh, looking forward to seeing what Grassu will do for us uh, going forward. But like I said, you heard me mention towards the end of the knee-jerk reaction uh, for Grassu that he must have been the best player available on the board. It became clear to me that's what Ryan Pace, or at least that's how Ryan Pace was approaching this draft when our fourth-round selection came off the board at number 106.
1: Yeah. New Jerk reaction to the Bears selection in the fourth round, 106 overall. And it is a running back uh, from Michigan State. So it, 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 uh, it truly appears that the Bears are doing the uh, best player available on the board thing with, with their draft. Because uh, you think if, if they were drafting for need, we'd want to be adding maybe depth to the linebacking core or to the secondary. But instead we go Running back Jeremy Langford uh, from Michigan State, a career rushing uh, amount of two thousand nine hundred sixty-seven yards. Looking at the stats right now, uh, forty touchdowns uh, for the Spartans there at Michigan State. Um, you know, don't know a whole lot about the the running back. It, it's more about the fact that it is a running back and, and not a safety or a corner or a uh, a linebacker that you think that the Bears would want to uh, focus on as far as our quote unquote needs uh, are concerned. So it's obvious from our first four picks we had or or the fact that the the that Pace and Fox are, are comfortable with where we're at as far as personnel with the free agent signings that we made uh, in the offseason. We signed like 12, 13 players and I think 9 or 10 of them were defensive players. So we definitely focused on that part in the uh, offseason. And it also goes to what Pace was saying before in his, in his press conference when he was first introduced. You handle, you, you, you deal with needs in free agency so you can do best player available in the draft. I think that Jeremy Lang Langford and even our third-round selection in Horonus uh, Grassu, uh, both being offensive players. When people, when when it's widely considered we need help on defense, it definitely looks like we're doing a best player available thing. And Jeremy Langford, our new running back, uh, is definitely uh, proof of that. <laughs>
0: So at this point, all bets are off. I mean, whether it's a need position or not, and I actually was just reading an article or a column before I started recording the show, saying that uh, when 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 was when he was asked why the Bears didn't pick a quarterback in the draft when he, he had a couple of chances uh, to go after some of the some of the quarterback like Brett Huntley from UCLA, uh, he had a chance to take Bryce Petty uh, in the third round as well. Basically, he said based on our on our need against where we had those guys valued on the board it didn't line up so basically those guys weren't high enough on the board with the best player available so we went with the best player available so it's uh that's clearly how the bears were approaching the draft so needs were it was it kind of became a you know well, well, we'll we'll take the best player that we have rated on our board. Uh, if the guy is is if he fills the need, great. If not, that's okay too. And um, you know they had to. They, they can you can only do this if you were comfortable with the things that you did in the free agency period. And apparently the Bears were. I mean, they did address all three levels of the defense with. You know, they signed, you know, like half a dozen defensive linemen. We got a linebacker in Mason Foster, adding to what we already have, that young core that we have at linebacker with Bostick and Green, even, God help us, Shay McClellan. Also, Jared Allen has become a linebacker now, so, we you know, we have some some pass rush ability there. We signed Pramel McPhee uh, as well. Antro Roll and Allen Ball were signed to the secondary uh, to add depth to those positions uh, there, so... You know, we did address the we did address the defense. Like I said, we signed 12, 13 new players, and only I think only two or three of them were offensive. One was Eddie Royal. The other was a long snapper. Um, can you think of? Oh, uh, Jacquez Rogers was the only other offensive player I can think of, top of my head. The rest were all defensive uh, across the board. So, um, however, when the fifth round pick did come about. Uh, our best player available did line up with our needs and we went ourselves went out and got ourselves a safety
1: <laughs> reaction to the Bears in the fifth round 142 overall uh, what's his name it's a safety uh, from the University of Penn State or Penn State University for those of you that are uh, you know, Literal about those things. Adrian Amos is his name, selected in the fifth round by our beloved Chicago Bears. So we finally did address the secondary uh, and went with the, went with a safety. Uh, somebody being drafted in the fifth round more than likely is going to be somebody to add depth or to be developed uh, behind our, our new safety, uh, Andrel role and Ryan Mundy, who was the better of the uh, of the safety signings that uh, that Phil Emery made uh, last year. So uh, we addressed the defense and we went with a neat area in the safety position with Adrian Amos and uh, we'll see how he turns out. Uh, The stuff that I've been reading on Twitter says that he spent more time at corner but moved over to safety and has been working to improve at the safety position. So he is somewhat of a project at the position but uh, hopefully one that will work out for our beloved. So one more pick to go in the 6th round and we'll see how it turns out. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction to the 6th and final selection by our beloved Chicago Bears at number 183 in the 6th round. An offensive tackle so yet another offensive player uh, taken and I'm going to have to get Scott writes confirmation on whether or not I'm pronouncing this correct. His name is Teo Fabaluge F-A-B-U-L-U-J-E Fabaluge is how I'm going with that and I think that I might be all, I might be right uh, nobody on on, uh, on ESPN is talking about him yet but an offensive tackle. He's a massive massive guy. 6'6 353 pounds so 350. Maybe there's a, a weight issue. Maybe that's why he's lasted until the 6th uh, round was a starter for TCU, has been bouncing back and forth between TCU and BYU. So he's he's actually lost a lot of time as far as his eligibility, bouncing back and forth and and losing a year, having to sit out and that kind of thing to to uh, you know with the whole scholarship and the NCAA rules kind of thing. So probably more of a developmental prospect, a depth thing. Uh, he's going to be a tackle, uh, not a guard. So uh, maybe he'll be challenging Jordan Mills. Funnier. thing, Things have happened mills was the fifth round pick and started day one so we'll see how it all works out but that wraps it up for the bears and for me with the knee-jerk reactions um and uh hopefully this class turns out to be a great one today.
0: so i threw the sixth round pick in there as well along with adrian amos's uh selection at uh, 142 uh for the bears uh you know like i said we finally went and uh went with a defensive player the, so the needs and the best player available lined up for us in the fifth round. In the sixth round, we went with an offensive tackle uh, with uh, Teo Fabaluge. And like I said, when we have Scott Wright here on in a few more minutes, we'll, uh, we'll be able to confirm whether or not I got that pronunciation right, if it's Fabaluge or whatever. I remember remember some of those names he was throwing at us when we had him on the, for the draft preview. But, um, you know, I've been hearing it's an amazing story that Fabaluge uh, has his his father was um, was never around or he left when the when he was young and uh, when his father left his mother was basically a housewife he was she was a stay-at-home mom or or what have you and when when the father left so went the income and she actually basically turned to a life of crime in order to support the family and with every offense that she got caught for you know, made the, the the last, made the new offense even more, you know, bigger, so more jail time was being added until finally, instead of being sent to county for the weekend or something, she got sent up to do real time, and that left uh, Teo to have to, fend for him and his younger sister and uh in 2013 he didn't play football at all he attended classes at BYU but was working three jobs on the side to be able to support himself uh, and his sister before returning to TCU uh in 2014 to play out his senior season and uh did did enough to get himself noticed by coaches and get himself drafted uh, by the Chicago Bears. So no worries on how he's going to have to fend for himself at least uh, going into this season. Uh, will will we'll we see? So um, you know the kind of money that you can make even as a sixth round pick would be enough to set up a regular person for for a good while. So uh, hopefully that money will do some great things. If uh, if Teo can't uh, make it onto a roster. Uh, this year the money will come in handy for sure so um, a big story there and hearing good things about uh, adrian amos as well and his versatility like i said he played some corner uh, was converted into a safety uh, said that his run defense at, at the safety position uh, was very strong something the bears could definitely use some help with uh, in that defensive secondary and he'll be playing behind ancho roll and ryan mundy uh, who was the better of the two signings that we had back there at the safety position. Uh, last year so not looking too bad uh, there for the for the Bears in, in the secondary spot so those were the six draft choices just to give you a quick recap we had Kevin White at number seven the wide receiver from West Virginia Eddie Goldman the nose tackle from Florida State in the second round Hironis Grassu the center from Oregon in the third Jeremy Langford, the running back from Michigan State in the fourth round Adrian Amos in the fifth And then Teo Fabaluge, the offensive tackle from TCU in the sixth round. So no seventh round pick because that was sent with Brandon Marshall to the Jets. So we didn't have a pick in the seventh round. Uh, Just a couple of things that uh, that I noticed. Number one, very much a trait of a Lovey Smith-Jerry Angelo draft, or actually even by Phil Emery as well. Um, None of these players went to a small school. You got West Virginia, you got Florida State, Oregon, Michigan State, Penn State, TCU. These are all big BCS schools uh, that these guys have coming from. So no one going to have to make that uh, you know that lower level of competition jump from you know Division two or one AA to playing uh, in the NFL. Uh, none that we drafted uh, anyway. And, and as I mentioned before, it was a. it it, it was kind of an inkling that you had the thought in the third round but definitely kind of been slapped in the face with in the fourth round with the Jeremy Langford pick with the running back that it was a best player available draft that Ryan Pace was sticking himself to and he stuck to his guns you can definitely see with the way the picks rolled out and and one thing that I wanted to mention and um, was that it reminded me very much of the 2006 draft Uh, that the Bears had if you guys remember back in 05 we had the number one defense in the NFL it was a season in which our opponents scored 10 points or less in eight of the 16 regular season games uh, that year that's how fearsome the defense was that's how stingy they were with the points winning games 13 to 3 13 to 10 you know that kind of thing that was how the Bears rolled you were thinking that well in the 06 draft We definitely have to pick a tight end or we have to go offense, period, just offense, running back, wide receiver, whatever we have. We need playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. We had six picks, I believe, that year, or six or seven picks, and only one was an offensive player, and it was a fullback in the sixth round. I don't even remember his name, but we picked a fullback, in the sixth round was the one offensive player that we took in that draft and this was the draft that got us Daniel Manning, Devin Hester, Mark Anderson, Dusty Dvorak. So we got some quality players in that draft even though most of the success from those players was short term but you would think that after that year that we had on defense that we would want to add to the offense and we we picked six defensive players. Now granted Devin Hester turned out to be an offensive player but he was a defensive back in college, regardless of his uh, kick returning uh, skills. So, you know, it was like pulling my hair out watching that 06 draft unfold when it was one defensive player after another, when we had the best defense the NFL had to offer uh, the year before. Kind of in that regard where offense was good, defense was atrocious, and we had six picks to, to go through in the draft. Four of them were offensive players. So, that's kind of the correlation that I'm making between these two here. So I'm also uh, going to bring that up with Scott Wright to see what he has to say about that uh, as well. So those were the six guys that we chose uh, w- when the when the draft choices came through. Just a quick rundown real quick because we'll talk a little bit more about this when, when we have Scott here in a few minutes. We signed 15, 15 undrafted free agents. Usually the Bears only have enough room on the roster to sign about Maybe eight to 10 guys at the most. We signed 15 uh, this time around. 15 players. Let's see. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of the 15 are off, or do you see me? Defensive players. You have one, two, three, four, five, six of them are offensive players. And then you have a kicker and a long snapper in there. Uh, as well so mostly p- defensive players seven of the 15 uh, are, are defensive players we have a linebacker from TCU Jonathan Anderson cornerback Kumain Black from East Central I'm gonna have to ask Scott where that is see if he knows Bryce Callahan a cornerback from Rice uh, cornerback Jacoby Glenn from Central Florida Anthony Jefferson a safety from UCLA uh, Olsen Pierre a defensive end from Miami of Florida and John Timu, or Timu, Timu, T-I-M-U, Timu, linebacker from the University of Washington. On the offensive side of the ball, we have a guard, Chad Hamilton from Coastal Carolina, an offensive tackle, uh, Cameron Jefferson from Arkansas, wide receiver Levi Norwood from Baylor, Cameron Meredith, a local guy from Illinois State University, another wide receiver, and then Brian Vogler, a tight end from the University of Alabama, uh, was oh, and then the, the last offensive player was a quarterback Shane Carden from East uh, from ECU East Carolina uh, University. Guy threw for over eleven thousand yards uh, in his time uh, at ECU. Uh, and one funny thing that people mention about him is that he has a resemblance uh, in in his ability and his just his looks. He looks like Brett Favre apparently. So who knows? But uh, he's coming into a a, a shallow. Uh, quarterbacking uh, pool so with uh, Jimmy Clausen, David Fales being the only guys in the depth chart in front of him aside from Jay Cutler of course might not be completely out of the realm of possibility that a guy as productive as he was in college might be able to find his way onto the roster or to the practice uh, squad and then finally the last two specialists Jeremiah Detmer a kicker from Toledo and Rick Lovato long snapper from Old Dominion so we'll get opinions on from Scott Wright on some of these undrafted players to see what uh, he has to say who he likes who stands out uh, that kind of thing so that's basically our draft recap there in a nutshell uh, Ryan Pace uh, said in his introductory press conference that you know this is going to be a you know what you do in the offseason is you use free agency as a tool so that you go best player available in the draft and you know we signed 13 players 10 of them were defensive players so we went heavy on offense in the draft because that's what the best player available was when the bears were picking uh at that time so no marcus Mariota, no amari cooper almost got our hands on leonard williams but it wasn't meant to be kevin white is the uh marquee player uh of this uh, of this draft and uh Got some, got a few other guys. We'll get Scott Wright's opinions and his thoughts on the Bears draft, and just what he had the thoughts uh, on the on the whole draft in general, uh, and so much. Uh, so, um, you know, like I said, that's that's the draft recap on on from my end, the knee jerk reactions and such. So let's go ahead and and have Scott Wright join us and talk about the 2015 draft from his perspective. <laughs> All right, so here we are with Scott Wright from NFLDraftCountdown.com. Scott, our draft expert that we had a few weeks back uh, to talk about the preview of of everything. Now that it's finally gone down, Scott, um, is this like the sad time of year for you? Because I know that the NFL draft is kind of like Scott Wright's Christmas. Is this like the sadness that we have, like, 363 days until the next draft?
2: Yeah, there, there's definitely a moment after the draft finishes up where it's like, oh, man, a whole year worth of preparation, and just like that, it's over. But it, its de- I'm definitely not down about it, because now we actually have stuff, we can talk about stuff that did happen rather than speculating about what might happen. And, and then, right. of course, the 2016 NFL draft is less than a year away, so it's going to be time to start getting ready for that real soon.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, one question that I wanted to ask you last time that I forgot... The new draft format, the whole three day, you know, the first two days in prime time. Are you a fan of that? Or are you like me, you prefer the old school Saturday, Sunday uh, afternoon deal?
2: I don't mind it. I know it's kind of a controversial topic amongst draft Knicks, but uh, I do like the way that it's it's featured in primetime. It's spread out a little bit more. It uh, gives us more time to analyze what happened. It gives teams more time to explore trades. Oh. I, I guess if I was going to highlight one negative where I think it, it's affecting the draft is for those teams picking at the end of round one, I think normally we'd see more action, partly because I think that that you know, you get the extra year of team control on the first round contract as opposed to second rounders. And we saw the Minnesota Vikings do that last year, trading up to get Teddy Bridgewater. But I, right. I just wonder how much of a factor it is for teams, say, if you're sitting at 32, let's say if you're a Patriots. I wonder how much of a factor it is. They think, well, geez, our fans have sat here and watched us for three hours in prime time all thursday night and now if we trade out of the first round they're gonna have to wait another 24 hours so i can't help but think that that plays a role to one degree or another and and maybe that's why we didn't see quite as many moves late in the first round as i expected but by and large i like the new format the the viewership is uh is 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 still incredible so uh i I think it's working out pretty well for them but so i don't mind it
0: yeah and that's probably what we'll never it will never change it was it was made in it was came out as an experiment kind of thing and then they had the highest ratings for the draft ever and that continues to happen well, every year and as a draft pick so,
2: I'll always take more NFL draft you tell me 3 days of NFL draft as opposed to two <laughs> sign me up
0: right right and, and and the funny thing is the draft is competing against itself because it's on two networks simultaneously yep. and still it's pulling in crazy uh, ratings. okay, so let's let's go ahead and dive into the draft itself and and i and I figured that the theme uh, of it was um people kind of thought the draft was boring because there were no trades until pick number 15 so it be kind of became that draft where the story were were things that weren't happening as opposed to things that were like number two with the mariota pick no trade there uh there was no trade for philip rivers no trade for adrian peterson randy gregory Leo collins um shane ray where were they going they haven't been picked yet that kind of thing so it became a, a a story of a draft where things about the things that weren't happening as opposed to the things that did because for the most part the draft board fell the way most people thought it would.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I thought we'd see more trades, uh, more so at the end of the first round than the top. But I thought we'd see at least one deal in that top 10 overall. Specifically, I thought Washington or the Jets might make a move there. But uh, but but even beyond that, like you said, it, it was basically a case of the players that went early that we thought were going to go early. In fact, I think in my final mock draft, I think I had 15 of the first 16 players that went in the draft going in that range. So it's not like wow. we had a second-round pick that went in the top 15 like Bruce Irvin a couple of years ago or anything wild like that. Uh, I think it got a little more interesting in the back half of round one. But, but yeah, I, I, I think for those looking for the huge surprises, the shocks, the blockbuster trades, uh, this draft was lacking in that. And, and I think a big reason why is there was kind of a lack of consensus Uh, after those two quarterbacks came off the board after that, there wasn't necessarily, okay, this guy's definitely three. This guy's definitely four. This guy's definitely five. I think the further you went down, I think the less consensus there was. And, and honestly, I think you can make a strong argument that there wasn't much difference between the 30th pick and the 60th pick. And when I was working on my final mock draft, that's what I was kind of struck by that teams were getting guys in late round two, that, they could have considered in late round one. So I I think there was a lot of depth and I think that's why teams felt comfortable just standing pat, knowing that a really good player was going to fall to them wherever they were, as opposed to feeling desperate and having to make a trade and give up valuable uh, resources to move up just a little bit.
0: Right. Right. Um, so so what were some things that did surprise you? Was it the fact there wasn't a trade until pick 15, or was there something else that stood out?
2: Uh, the the lack of action definitely stood out, but I, I guess the number one thing for me was the Indianapolis Colts taking Philip Dorsett at number 29, a pick that I, I just vehemently dislike, uh, violently dislike. Uh, n- <laughs> not only did I think Philip Dorsett was one of the most overrated players in this class, I had him at number 80 in my overall board, which is essentially wow. a third-rounder. Uh, and, and I understood he was going to come off the board a lot earlier than I had him rated. He was very much in that late round one, early round two conversation. But um, he's a speed guy uh, with with questionable hands. And, and the speed is enticing. I understand that. But I think historically, if you go back and look at the fastest guys, they haven't necessarily turned into the best football players. So I don't like the player, right. but I especially don't like the fit just absolutely indulgent uh it, it's like the colts went in thinking oh we're we're already a super bowl team we have no needs we're just going to take uh, the luxury pick and and they had needs they needed to address and and wide out was not one of them wide out wasn't in the top five wide out probably wasn't even in the top ten and even going beyond that they already had a a similar player in T.Y. Hilton. So um, just a really indulgent pick. And of course, it's unfair to grade drafts or rate drafts right after. It it takes two to three years to see how this is all going to shake out. But I think you can look and see uh, and judge teams based on did they get value for their picks? Did the guys take guys earlier than they should have? Did they get players later than they were expected to go? Did they address their needs? Did they they take care of their business? And I I don't think the Colts did any of that with their first-round pick.
0: Right, uh, that will not – well, actually, he, he kind of agrees with you. Our, our friend Ryan Simmons, he is a Colts fan, and when I asked him about the pick, he said something along the lines of what you're saying. It's like, we have T.Y. Hilton, we have a good receiving core, we had other needs, why take this wide receiver uh, in the first round? So uh, he, he agrees with you, although I'm sure that he probably doesn't like to hear uh, things like that. So uh, anything else that uh, had your head scratching in the, in, the, in the first round or even in day two?
2: Uh, well, the, the, the Shane Ray pick for the Denver Broncos, they traded up to get him at right. 23. Uh, and uh, that that confused me on a couple of levels. First of all, everything I had heard was that the Broncos were focused in on upgrading that offensive line, which makes a lot of sense when when you have an immobile quarterback like Peyton Manning that. Not only is your entire season riding on, but if something were to happen to Peyton Manning, the Denver Broncos might be entering full-blown rebuild mode. You would think the top priority would be to protect him, and so when the Broncos traded up from number 28 to 23, I thought logically they're going to take an offensive lineman. They want to get ahead of the Cardinals at 24, the Panthers at 25, who are both going to be looking for blockers, we thought. Well, that wasn't the case. They went with Shane Ray. And so I was surprised with the position they addressed, but also the player. And in hindsight now, I guess there was talk that if if the Broncos didn't take him there, the Cardinals might have at 24, the Ravens at 26. So I guess he probably would have gone in the first round either way. But I just thought there was potential for a free fall there. Shane Ray just had so much working against him. Uh, and, And even weeks before the draft, I had him falling into the latter part of the first round because he doesn't have that prototypical length that you look for in the size Uh, I was concerned on tape about his ability to play outside linebacker, his ability to move in space, and I think those fears were kind of confirmed by his workout results. He's got a foot injury that some teams feel might need uh, uh, need surgery uh, that would put him out for a number of months. And then on top of all of that, the week of the draft, he gets pulled over at basically the break of dawn and cited for marijuana possession, which teams don't necessarily care that he's, if he's smoking pot, they care that he put himself in that bad of a position the week of the draft. And, and, you know, it it was kind of a joke when he got drafted by Denver. Oh, Colorado's got legal marijuana,
0: legal marijuana. Yeah.
2: Which it's funny, but at the same time, it's an extra level of concern because it's going to be available and abundant. There's going to be a lot of temptation for Shane Ray, and he's already now, as a product of his recent incident, he's in the league substance abuse program. So he's already yeah. coming in with a strike against him. So uh, I just didn't see that making sense on a lot of levels, but, uh, but we'll see how it works out.
0: Okay, so real quick before we move on to the Bears, who had the best, uh, you know, who got your highest grade? Who, uh, who got the lowest grade?
2: Well, I haven't narrowed it down quite yet to who got the very best, the very worst, uh-huh. but uh, uh, some of the teams that I think did well, and it's, it's kind of the usual suspects. It's no coincidence that these teams are able to to stay consistently competitive. It's because they have good drafts every year. Baltimore right. Ravens, Odzie Newsome, uh, maybe the best in the business, a Hall of Famer, not only as a player, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer as a front office guy. I think he just nailed this draft yet again. Uh, I think the Minnesota Vikings did a really good job. Another case of, of an organization that almost always gets good value for their picks. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers did really well. So those are a few off the top of my head. And like I said, as, as we get past the draft here now, I'm going to really zero in on uh, handing out grades and evaluating each and every pick for every team. So watch out for that on the site. But those are just a handful of teams off the top of my head that I, I, I like what they did.
0: Okay. Who didn't you like?
2: Well, Indianapolis Colts, uh, and and this is always a tougher question for me because I'm a glass half full guy. I love the draft, so sure, I'm going to find sure. positives in every class, but but certainly that Colts pick was probably my least favorite pick of the entire draft. Uh, I didn't like that. I didn't really like what the St. Louis Rams did. Uh, w- once again, I think they wasted a tremendous opportunity, uh, and I like Todd Gurley. I, I had him as the fourth best player in this draft, and philosophically, I wouldn't take any running back that early, but if there is one that would tempt me, it would be Gurley. Right. And I understood he was going to go in that top 10 to 15 overall. But to me, the Rams are a team that just doesn't understand value in the draft. They or they have misguided priorities. Uh, a couple okay. of years ago, we saw them take Tavon Austin, a slot receiver in the top 10. I had him rated as a late first rounder. Uh, I, I just did not think it made sense to invest in that position that early and and I same thing here with Gurley and uh, and then they eventually did upgrade the offensive line in round two and round three but I think they reached on both Rob Havenstein and Jamon Brown and uh, they're going to get plugged in just because there's there's three of the five blocking spots on that O-line are up in the air right now. So those guys yeah. are going to have an opportunity and they're going to play ready or not. But I think they reach there. So I'm not a big fan of what the Rams did. And I think this is got it's got to eventually catch up with those decision makers, whether it be Jeff Fisher, the front office. They've been making bad decisions on draft day for a number of years. And uh, I think this this might be the final nail in the coffin. I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now we're looking at a, a different uh, decision makers in St. Louis or Los Angeles or wherever they are.
0: Right, right. All right, so let's go on to, uh, uh, to the Bears. Uh, we got uh, we got Kevin White at number seven, the wide receiver from West Virginia, Eddie Goldman, nose tackle at number 39 in the second round uh, from Florida State, Jaronis Grasu, whose name I, I just love that name, center from Oregon, Jeremy Langford, the running back from Michigan State in the fourth round, Adrian Amos, the safety from Penn State in the sixth round. And you got to tell me if I'm pronouncing this right because I know that you're good with the names. Teo Fabaluge in from TCU in the sixth round. Was that right?
2: Yeah, that's pretty darn good. And I actually have on the site. I have a pronunciation guide with about a hundred different players. So if you're uh, if you're looking for, them, check it out. Uh, Teo Fabaluge. So yeah, you did really good. Nice. So I nailed it.
0: Awesome. Let's, let's, so where you want to start? Where we, uh, well, let's start at the top. Kevin White. He was there at number seven. Um, there was there was this tense moment for me that. Uh, that um, at number six, Leonard Williams was still on the board, just one pick before the Bears. If, if they had passed, if the Jets passed on him and picked whoever at number six and he was there for the Bears, then, oh, man, what, what, what a pick that would have been for us. But instead, the Jets take him. There's Kevin White at number seven, our replacement for Brandon Marshall.
2: Yeah, and I think if Leonard Williams would have been there, he would have had to pull the trigger just from a value oh, standpoint, even though absolutely. maybe not their most pressing need. They, every team can use a player like Leonard Williams. But I think Kevin White makes a lot of sense. And, of course, a lot of the focus with the Bears was on that defense, and and they still have issues on that side of the ball. But they went out and they've made some moves this offseason, I think, to, to kind of shore up that, that defense. So I think you could have made a, a very strong argument going into the draft that wide receiver was, in fact, their most pressing concern. Uh, they needed somebody opposite Alshon Jeffrey, especially with, with with Jay Cutler being in the situation where he is. You want to give him all the tools he can have to be as successful as he can be because if it starts out bad it could really go off the rails quickly so i think you want to support jay cutler as much as possible i think kevin white was a fit from a value standpoint uh so um i I think it just really checks all the boxes across the board i think that was a really good pick for the bears and and sure you could probably make an argument for a defensive back although you can argue whether there was a, a defensive back worthy of that lofty of a choice, maybe a pass rusher. But once again, it's not like the cupboard was completely bare. They went out and spent a lot of money on Pernell McPhee. Uh, Lamar Houston's still going to be in the picture. Willie Young, Shea McClellan, Jared Allen. So they've got some options there. Eventually, they're probably going to have to bring in some more help at pass rusher, but I think they were settled enough that they could uh, go with White. And and like I say, I I think that was a a good fit, both from a value and need standpoint for Chicago.
0: Okay, so tell me about Eddie Goldman. He's enlisted as a Nose tackle from Florida State, but I heard that he's played some three technique as well as nose tackle for the Seminoles.
2: Yeah, and strangely enough, I actually compared Eddie Goldman to a guy already on the Bears roster, Ego Ferguson, who they took in the second round a year ago, and and not necessarily even in the style of play, but just in that clearly first-round talent, and they flashed at times. They just didn't do it consistently enough. But Eddie Goldman could have very easily have gone in the first round. Uh, I think he's going to be a nose tackle for them. Uh, and, and uh, very talented guy, excellent size, uh, a better athlete than maybe his workout numbers would lead you to believe. And, and that's the one area that I think the Bears had more question marks than others. I think Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton were still very much unknown commodities, especially in a a new style of defense. Uh, Ray McDonald and Jay Ratliff are kind of veteran stopgap stopgap solutions. So uh, I think it made a lot of sense for them to bring in a nose tackle early on to uh, compete with Will Sutton. And and I guess I'll be surprised if Goldman doesn't doesn't win that job sooner rather than later. And there's another example. I think value and need were both uh, taken care of with that pick.
0: Right well it it was just it, it was it was appear, apparent to me when we got to the fourth round that Ryan Pace the new general manager for the Bears was going with the best player available because in the third round you can make a case that we need depth at the offensive line that's where we got Grasso, our new center we, we've got a as you call it a veteran stopgap. and will montgomery on a one-year deal at, at center now we need to bring somebody else along that that's going to follow him up then we get into the fourth round where i was hoping that we would do like a safety or a linebacker and we went running back with jeremy langford uh, from michigan state and it actually if todd mcshay from espn says that was the best pick the bears made
2: Yeah, it's a really good pick, and I maintained all along. I talked about how I wouldn't take a running back early, and and this draft was a perfect example of why. I said that the sweet spot for running back value was round 3, round 4, round 5, and sure enough, we had some very good runners available in that range, Langford included and I was a little surprised the Bears went in that direction obviously Matt Forte is still there and they signed Jaquiz Rogers to kind of be that change of pace uh, compliment and then they used a fourth rounder a year ago on Kadeem Carey so I, I almost right. wonder if this pick maybe means Matt Forte, uh, groom him as an eventual replacement for Matt Forte. Um, And Langford, he's he's more of, he's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's got a really well-rounded game. So I think he brings a lot of same things to the table that Forte does. So not only does he uh, offer a really nice insurance policy, but maybe he's a guy that they groom uh, to replace Forte. And I wouldn't argue with that. As good as Matt Forte has been, uh, not only would I not, take a running back in the first round of the nfl draft if i ran an nfl team i would never even give a running back a second contract i would just <laughs> draft a guy every year have a replacement ready and and are you going to replace a, matt forte 100 probably not but if you can get 80 percent of the value for a tenth of the cost uh yeah. I, that's how i want to expend my resources i'd rather invest at positions that, uh, that are much more difficult to fill than running back which history has shown you can get productive runners throughout all seven rounds and even into free agency. So uh, that kind of surprised me just from a a need standpoint. But uh, Langford was a good value pick there. And and if that is the plan, that they're going to groom him as Forte's replacement, I'm all for it because I certainly wouldn't want to give a a running back with as much mileage on his tires as Forte has, who's coming up on 30, another big contract.
0: Right, exactly. Well, um, one of the other theories is uh, as to why the Bears did what they did was that they were trying to erase the mistakes made by Phil Emery, who last year chose a defensive tackle, a running back, and a safety. And then our second, fourth, and fifth round picks were a defensive tackle, a running back, and a safety. So, yep. you know, maybe they're just looking to erase uh, what it is that Phil Emery did by replacing them with their own guys. So that was one theory that was presented by one of the Chicago writers uh, on ESPN uh, earlier today. So, um,. Was there a pick that you didn't like so much? Not so much as a prize, like where they win, as far as value is concerned. But you know, was there a pick like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh,
2: you know, in the case of the Bears, and they only had six picks, so they don't have quite as much to choose from as some other teams. Right. But there really wasn't a choice that I, I'm just vehemently against. I, I think they did a solid job with all of them. Uh, in round five, they chose Adrian Amos, a safety from Penn State, and once again, I think that's a situation where uh, the, the 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 criteria in terms of both value and need were both. Uh, both uh, solidified, uh, and and Adrian Amos, I I thought he was going to go in the top 100 overall. I really did. Um, In part because this was a bit of a weak safety class, so I thought some guys might get pushed up, including Amos, but also in part because he gives you that versatility that teams are looking for at the safety position these days. He's kind of a a cornerback safety tweener. Not only can he uh, be a a free safety in that back half, but you can bring him up and match him up with a wide receiver in the slot, and he's not going to embarrass you in that regard so I think that was a really good pick for the Bears in round five and I, I think kind of shows the type of defensive backs they're going to be looking for uh not only with that pick but a couple of free agents they signed too who we're going to talk about I'm sure later so I I, I think we're, we're we're seeing that the Bears have a type when it comes to cornerbacks and safeties. And then Teofa Belouge, uh the offensive lineman we mentioned earlier from TCU, uh, yeah. really impressive physical specimen. I mean, this guy is a, a really a freakish athlete for somebody as big as he is. He's 6'6 six, six half, three hundred fifty three 353 pounds, but he moves really well. Um, just some, some questions about his football makeup and, and the type of guy who you might have to push. But, boy, if he maximizes his potential, that was a really good pick in the late rounds.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned the free agents. So we signed 15, which is a bigger uh, free agent class than the Bears usually sign. Usually they have only have enough room for the roster for maybe eight players, maybe 10. This time there are 15 of them. Um, and, uh, you know, who are some of the players on the list that you like?
2: Well, two of them really stood out to me, and they were both defensive backs. The first was Jacoby Glenn, the cornerback from Central Florida, who came out as a redshirt sophomore, which in hindsight was probably a mistake for him. Uh, right. Uh, he's got good length. He's got a rangy frame. He's tall. He's got long arms. Not necessarily the ideal bulk you look for. He's only about 180 pounds. And, and, and the reason he went on draft is because he didn't run particularly well in pre-draft workouts. He only ran in the mid-four sixes. But I think he plays faster than that, and he's a playmaker in the second. Uh, now, when it comes to turning and running vertically, he might be a bit of a liability, but if you can keep him facing the action, he can really attack the ball. I think he had the last couple of years, like 26 pass breakups and nine interceptions. So uh, very much a ball hawk in the secondary. So I like that pick. And at one point there was talk he could go in the mid round. So I think as a priority free agent, that was a, a, a an interesting risk. Uh, and, and then at the safety position too, uh, uh, Anthony Jefferson, the cornerback safety out of UCLA. And this is another case like with a Adrian Amos, where he's a free safety slash corner. Uh, He's being looked at at both positions, so he offers you that positional versatility. Uh, So I I, I think we see what the Bears are looking for in defense backs under this regime. They want tall, long-armed, rangy, versatile defensive backs so uh definitely something to file away in your mind next year if they happen to be looking for a corner or safety we kind of know their type and that's what's always difficult when a decision maker comes into a team they don't really have a long track record at least making their own decisions so we kind of have to feel them out for two to three years what do they prioritize what positions do they covet so I, i think the picture started to come a little more become a little more clear uh with ryan pace and the chicago bears one draft in
0: Okay, so one, one, one guy that I had questions about was our, was the quarterback we signed, uh, Shane Carden. I saw that he th- threw for, in his career at ECU, over 11,000 yards, close to 12,000 yards. I think like maybe 40 touchdowns, maybe it was more than that. Um, how does a guy with numbers like that go undrafted?
2: Yeah, and there was a point in the process where I thought Carden might emerge as an interesting guy in this really bad class of quarterbacks. Uh, And, and I think I I saw it coming and I think the results kind of bear it out. One of the worst quarterback classes we've seen in a long time. I think we only had six drafted, which is about half of the average. Uh, And and there just were not many good options in those late rounds. You're basically looking at at one of two things, either career backups or long-term developmental guys. And and I think Shane Carden falls into the former category. I I think best case scenario, he profiles as as maybe a backup quarterback in the league. And and that might even be stretching it. Like you said, very productive. uh, Doesn't Uh necessarily have the ideal size you look for. He's just a tick under six foot two. um, and, Mm. And really didn't, perform all that well during the pre-draft process at the all-star games, a scouting combine didn't really take advantage of those opportunities. A lot of physical shortcomings. And it's hard to see a lot of upside there with him, but, but the type of guy you bring in and let him compete with David fails for that number three job, there's nothing wrong with that competition. So I think he was a solid signing as a priority free agent. Uh, There was only six, maybe seven quarterbacks that I would have been willing to invest a draft pick on. And after that, I said, I would just rather take my chances on undrafted free agency. There was going to be 10, 15 signal callers that I would have felt comfortable with bringing in for that to compete for that number three slot. And and Cardin definitely fit in that mold. I had him as my number 10 quarterback when all is said and done so uh good solid signing but i, I guess if you're looking for uh, somebody to save you from jay cutler i wouldn't expect it to be shane card
0: <laughs> no well I, I guess that maybe we'll have to wait till 2016 to find the answer to that uh question so um well i think that's all i have for you scott um you know it, it was uh, always fun to have you uh on the uh, on the show trying to think when would be the next time we would probably have a talk probably some sometime next april or something i'm not sure if uh if we'll need you before then, so uh, just want to thank you a lot for uh, for being on the show.
2: Yeah, it was my pleasure. Anytime, and uh, we'll we'll touch base again uh, maybe a year from now or a little less than a year from now.
0: All right, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, just want to thank Scott Wright for being on the show. You can of course check out his his draft grades and everything on Draft Countdown. Dot com is the uh the website so go ahead and check that out or keep your eyes open to see when those uh those draft grades uh, start to come out always great to have him on the show like if uh you know guys told you last time we had him on the show we've 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 had a relationship with scott since 2006 2007 and it was good to finally get him back on uh on the show hope to have him back on uh in the future uh as well so so there you have it, folks. That's our NFL draft review show for the Chicago Bears review. It's that time of year now. It is that time of year where it's um, it's time to start – thinking about the 2015 season this was kind of like uh you know i know free agency is part of it but this was kind of like that first big uh, left turn into the 2015 season instead of kind of dealing with the fallout of the 2014 season and as you guys who are veterans of the show know this is the time of year when we don't hear too much uh, from me but once we get into june and then into july and things like that we start doing our nfl where we start doing our opponent preview episodes where we start talking about the teams that we're going to be playing this year breaking it down so we have an nfc west show we have the afc west show and then the nfc north and um same place opponents and then we just break it all down with one final show talking about the bears and where they're sitting at so those usually around um mid-june or so when when the uh when the nfl uh preview magazines start coming out so i can sit down and start thumbing through everything and and looking at the teams uh uh, on a one-to-one uh basis so um other thing we're gonna try to do is uh i guess i got the the itch for uh for um interviews now i want to see if uh if I can find some some beat writers or maybe some SB Nation uh, guys to uh, come on uh, about their respective teams and uh, see if they they may want to talk to me let's see if they can talk to me about the the Chargers, the 49ers, the you know the Rams, the Cardinals, that kind of thing. See if we can get anybody on to uh, talk about those teams and uh, see what it comes from. Uh, from a, from a, from the horse's mouth, if you will. Instead of getting a Chicago Bears fan perspective on the St. Louis Rams, we'll find out what a St. Louis Rams fan has to think about the St. Louis Rams and see how many of those uh, we can get collected uh, before the beginning uh, of the season. So uh, maybe that's something that I can I will definitely work on that between now and the first appointed preview show. Hell, maybe we'll have to change up our whole format and uh, on how we're going to be doing those preview episodes and uh, go on from there so uh keep your eyes open you can check us out on the facebook page uh just search chicago bears review on facebook it'll come right up and you can always find uh find me on twitter at shy bears review c-h-i bears review uh on twitter so keep your eyes open keep your eyes open on twitter on facebook as well to find out when the next start of when the next wave of shows is going to come so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review